Welcome to Managing Marketing, and this week I'm joined by Luke Brown, CEO and co-founder of Agency Affinity here in Sydney. Welcome, Luke. Thanks, Darren. Look, um, Luke, I've read some of the opinion pieces that you've recently been uh, placing in the trade press or the trade media, and I've been really impressed by your view of the marketing landscape, but particularly one of the topics I wanted to discuss with you is that we've seen digital advertising grow and grow and grow for the last decade. It's been the darling of marketers. You know, everyone's been talking about how terrific digital marketing is and media. Except in the last month or so, suddenly it's like the demon and everyone's pointing the finger at how it's ripping all the marketers off. What do you think's happened? Look, that's a really good question. <clears throat> You know, we believe digital is a really uh, incredibly powerful tool, but it's definitely been overhyped um, and often oversold. And that's by, um, it's not a silver bullet for every situation. Uh, and um, it's well, been- Well, it is horses for courses, yeah. isn't it? I mean, one of the things that uh, cracks me up is the fact that uh, so many people in the industry talk about it as it's either or. You either do digital or you stay the old-fashioned traditional. Whoever said it was a choice between one or the other? And there's also this fallacy that digital, go digital because it's going to be cheaper for you. Uh, and that is just ins insanity. Um, thing about digital is it, it actually takes effort, increasing effort to optimize it. And, that, um, and you need to put that time and resource into it. Otherwise, you won't get the outcome that you need at the end of it. I mean, one of the great things about the internet is it has democratised the ability for people to be able to create content and put it out there as a way of attracting attention and engagement to their business. So that's part of, you know, it, it is a channel, you know, uh, that any business, small, medium or large, can actually access. Because I remember in the tele you know, television only days, you were either te a television advertiser because you had the big bucks or mm. you weren't. So in that way, uh, it has made, or not made, but provided access to a you know, mass medium, hasn't it? Look, it definitely has. And we work with a lot of smaller clients and we've been able to take them and scale them through digital. Um, more so than they would have been in any other medium because of the, the cost of entry. But it's about the smarts that you put into it and, and how you measure it and making sure that you're driving to an outcome. And I think that's where too often people look at digital as a traditional media and it's all about reach and frequency. And um, that's all there is to it. And that's where they fall down because mm -hmm. Digital is beyond reach and frequency. You can't just look at the views that you get from something. And let's face it, three seconds uh, of view in Facebook is three seconds. And without audio, what is that really doing for your brand? Um, you know, Facebook, uh, sorry, uh, YouTube is five seconds. That's slightly better before the skip. And then you can pay for, you know, longer. You're at least getting a little bit of a better metric. But at the end of the day, so what? Um, 
you know, if you're not tracking to, are you meeting your business outcomes? Uh, and that's something that we're quite strong here is, is really forcing on how we're going to measure outcomes and know that it's working. Not months down the track when you start, the cash ridges start singing, but straight away. Yeah. No, and that's, uh, that's one of the things I really like about the opinion you've been putting into the marketplace is that ultimately marketing is about changing behavior to deliver outcomes or changing attitudes to deliver outcomes or whatever. Yeah. But marketers who buy digital the same way as they bought television and press, you know, cost per thousand, aren't they actually missing the whole point of the opportunity digital provides? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's a completely different medium. Uh, and um, people are stuck in the 20th century paradigm about reach and frequency. And um, digital can do so much more. And you need to look at direct correlations to a business goal, not just a digital goal. Mm. Who gives us, uh, uh, who cares about likes and shares and other things? You need to bring it back down to the business goal at all times. Because my, my personal opinion is digital is not necessarily good at getting mass reach and frequency fast. You know, television still performs very well for all these stories about TV being dead. You know, a good television campaign can get you a lot of awareness. What it can't get you is any sort of engagement. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Look, totally. And and with some of our clients, you know, we've built, in fact, they're going to be submitting, we're submitting an FE for them this year where we've programmatically built their brand through digital, um, through programmatic training, uh, trading. And now we're at a stage where actually we've got them enough money so they can be on TV to take that next level in their journey. Mm. And so digital has really helped enabled a lot of the smaller players who couldn't ever really get to TV to come on a journey and grow and get to a television status brand. So that's brilliant because I talk to so many digital uh, agencies that seem to think that it has to be digital end to end, you know, like beginning, middle and end, it's all digital. You know, they're the ones that go, oh, TV's dead, no one's watching TV, which is just garbage. I don't know why they say it. Well, um, partly, I don't know either. Uh, But why do you think? (laughs) Look, partly I think because people don't have confidence in that area. It's something that um, we've always understood as, um, you know, marketing professionals that um, our goal is not to sell a client an ad. In fact, that's not our goal at all. It's, it's whatever's the right thing that they need. Mm. And sometimes, yes, it will be a TVC. Um, but really if they can afford, afford it, it and it's, it's right, right for what they're trying to achieve. And if it's going to be the most efficient thing mm. for delivering it, if they have the budget. Um, but there are often a lot smarter things along the path to sale that you can do that will influence your sales a lot more. And then, yes, if you've got budget um, left over, TV is a wonderful thing. Um, and certainly some of the clients, our client mix has changed considerably in the last 18 months and we're picking up bigger and bigger clients. And TV is a right mix for them. Uh, and certainly some of the, our smaller clients, we've grown into, um, you know, they've got scale behind them now as products. They're, they're triple the size that they were when they first met us. Um, and now they're, they're looking at other ways to get to the next level of growth. Mm. 
And that makes sense. You know, you've actually taken them on this progression mm. and at each stage used the appropriate channel to actually fulfil on the strategy and deliver the objectives. Exactly. And and we won't be abandoning digital for them um, now that they're, they're, we're doing their first TV campaign. Digital is a core part of the mix for them. It's helped them grow 300%. So look, a lot of people use that term, a core part of the mix. And I always get uh, really disappointed because what they mean by that is, yes, we're going to take the TV ad and we're going to put it out through digital, right? And to me, that's actually not. All that means mm. is that you've got multiple channels and you're just pushing the same bit of content out. You know? So, yes, we've made the TV ad. Oh, look, it's on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, look, we're delivering it programmatically. You know? Oh, look, we're doing you know? But it's all broadcast, broadcast, broadcast. broadcast. To me, uh, the great thing about digital, and, and I remember you know, back in the mid-90s being a creative director when people started talking about the internet, the great promise of the internet was interactivity. Exactly. Um, you know, so you run a TV ad to get awareness, but you immediately design it in a way that it funnels people online into a digital realm where you can then start to interact with them and move them forward down the ubiquitous sales funnel. Exactly, and and see what gates they're going through. And over time, you're able to understand that if they do certain actions, you know that they'll end up buying a product from mm -hmm. you. Uh, and that's the measurement that people need to put in place to have effective marketing nowadays. Um, but often it's not even about the digital um, uh, things as well. You need to do stuff in store. That um, the, the work that's being done in store now is, is still, again, I'd say stuck in a 20th century paradigm that we're not really putting a lot of effort and energy in there. And there's a, there's a range of things that we can do to digitize that experience as well, but also make sure that um, we're delivering a better customer experience throughout the entire process, so online and offline. Yeah, there's the whole thing. There is quite a lot of focus on the last, uh, whether it's five metres, 10 metres mm. or two metres, the last 15 seconds where the person, you know, the customer actually makes the purchase decision. But I wonder sometimes whether people are actually thinking about the customer experience there or they're just working out how they can ram the brand down their throat. Exactly. And is it consistent all the way through um, um, from when they're online or they're on TV and then they go online mm. and then through the funnel stages? Okay, so, so I just want to pull you up there, Luke, mm. because I'm really interested on what you mean by consistent, because so many people interpret consistent as being the same. What do you mean by being consistent? Look, for me, it's not necessarily the same, um, but... There's a tonality and uh, a strategic underpinning of your messaging that needs to be consistent. Uh, and what we see with other agencies and or the way clients are set up with multiple agencies is there, a, there is a, a massive fragmentation in messaging um, and, it, and it's almost a disconnect that the online experience uh, is different to the TV ad, which is different to the in-store experience. And they're, they're not giving you a consistent path to sale. And they're not 
uh, laddering on each other to ensure that you end up buying the product. Because mm. you know, the, the idea of having the same collars and cuffs or the matching uh, suitcase uh, set of suitcases, you know, the whole Tosca range yep. of suitcases actually, from my perspective, diminishes potentially the power of each channel or each environment. Because, mm. you know, the old days of, oh, we'll just take a frame out of the TV ad and put that into any print material and then, you know, we'll have the same line running across. Oh, Darren, that's integrated, isn't that? Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> integrated and consistent. And, and, you know, you're absolutely... Oh, we'll even take the audio track from TV and that'll become radio. Oh, it'll, it'll now run on... Um, on uh, Pandora as the, you know, and it's like, yeah. but they may not see the TV or they may, you know, aren't you underutilising each medium? You need to, as long as it's, again, going back to deliver, trying to deliver to the same goal, but yes, bring it to life the right way in each medium. So it's, but um, think of the, it's a funnel and how you're driving people through that funnel and the experiences that you give them. So digital uh, does allow that great uh, you know, ability to give you experiences along the way, mm. uh, to self-classify, to work out which product as part of the range that you are. Um, and uh, that funnel gives you signals of how you should remarket to them as well. Mm. Um, and how to evolve or sequence messaging to them to make sure that they convert. Yeah, I think the consistency, as you said, is in th things like tonality and you know, and purpose. What's yeah. the intent? You know, what am I trying to to do here to move people? Now, you use funnel. I, you know, you might um, recall I have a science background. I like the idea of it actually being a particle accelerator. You know, and the reason I like that is I think of customers as electrons. You know, they're yeah. full of energy and they're flying around all over the place. You know, oh my God, they're living a life. <laughs> uh, so at the start of the particle accelerator, you need lots of energy. You need lots of energy to be able to actually collect all as many of those electrons into creating a beam. Yeah. But then as you accelerate them along there to actually get them to the point that, that they're actually going to purchase, you change from using sheer energy and power to uh, more finesse and a more, uh, you know, let's say, strategic approach. So you start from very wide and powerful, but then as you focus that beam on your ultimate objective, which is getting people to buy, you, you need to turn the power down a bit. You, know, you don't want to keep accelerating them wildly. You want to get them focused uh, on what they need to do. And if they start diverging off that path, what do you subtly need to do to bring them back into you know, the ultimate destination? Exactly. Do you like that metaphor? I, I, I do indeed. I, talking a lot with our clients, funnels work because everyone understands it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And they can measure things straight through. Um, but I, I do like the metaphor. Um, for us, it's it's about we, we try and think in terms of behavioral nudges yep. uh, through the digital process. And that's what we're doing. We're not, we're not arrogant enough to think that we can change behavior. It's not about that. And there's a lot of agencies out there that's saying the goal of all your marketing needs to be behavioral change. Our goal is actually to influence behavior, and that's a semantic difference, but it's important mm -hmm. because um, to influence behavior, an existing behavior, you're much more likely to, to get an outcome. Mm -hmm. And 
our best work, we won five FEs last year, and it was because we were able to influence existing behaviour rather than trying to rechange people's behaviour. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's interesting as well because changing behaviour exists in a moment of time. Exactly. You know, there'll be a time that I was doing this behaviour, and then after that point in time, I'm now doing this behaviour. Right? Whereas what you're talking about is <clears throat> on a continuum. Yeah is constantly nudging the behaviour along. To, to, and understanding what their actual behaviour is now, and that's where digital is so amazing, that you can and really understand what people are doing moment to moment and understanding what they're consuming. And then that gives you nudge points of, of being able to push them into different actions. Uh, and you can see them do that as well. So you're talking now like a direct marketer, and I know things like direct marketing have you know, sort of become, you know, they've disappeared over time, but uh, you know, Lester Wonderman wrote books about you know, being able to nudge the uh, customer along the path to purchase, yep. but the only tools he had was uh, pools of typists yep. typing per, you know, personalised letters <clears throat> and mailing them out and waiting for a response. I mean, uh, in the digital age, we can actually respond literally uh, in response to uh, a customer's behaviour, can't we? Exactly, and I think Lester would love to have been uh, have the tools that we have now, um, yeah. uh, and and certainly, you know, what is old is new again. Um, there's certainly a lot about in direct marketing that we apply every day, but um, for us, you know, behavioural science shows uh, how to nudge people along and we use a lot of behavioural science in what we do in order to get an outcome that we're after. Mm. Yeah, it's, um, it's a, a lot of people talk about behavioural science. How do you actually apply it? <sighs> no, well, <laughs> in a simple, I, I know it's incredibly complex because, uh, you know, but there's some, there's some basic behavioural science principles. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the seminal book for me was uh, predictably irrational yeah. because suddenly you started to understand that classical economics, the idea that you know, people react in a, in a rational way, is actually completely flawed. And, and anyone that observes the human condition can mm. see that. I love the concept that we're absolutely um, irrational in yeah. our decision-making process but the beauty is that we're predictable in that irrationality. Exactly. And then the, the, for, for me what's interesting is, is the measurement we can do now on what people are actually doing is able to prove out that we're irrational. It's able to prove out a whole range of things um, and that enables us to be smarter with our messaging and over time um, with our conversion at the, mm. at the end of the day. That's, that's what it's got to be about. So going back to where we started, which is um, people seem to have turned on, you know, marketers, the industry. You know, I read uh, one of uh, Mark Ritson's things that uh, brand safety is all caused by Google, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and things like that. Everyone's pointing the finger. It's, it's really at that top end of awareness, isn't it, where it's all gone wrong rather than the approach along the funnel to conversion? Predominantly, and look, you've got to ask um, the, 
who broke these stories? Um, it was old school publishers trying to get people back into their medium. Uh, call me cynical, but um, you know, I think it was the Times and the Guardian in in London trying to get people back into them. Um, and you know, personally, um, look, there are a lot of things. This conversation needs to be had. And there are things that we need to do better as an industry. So I'm glad it's being had. Um, but Well, is it a conversation though? I mean, it just feels like a whole lot of finger pointing. Yeah. And um, there was a whole range of clients uh, that pulled out of YouTube mm. and that lasted all of a week. Um, they're back on now. Um, and we had one of our clients was affected by that. Um, and yes, they're... I think it was only three days actually before they reversed their decision and went back on. Um, so, but that's that, a knee-jerk reaction, isn't it? Yeah, um, but it's built up in this hysteria of uh, well, our ads are feeding ISIS. Uh, and, and oh yeah, look, I I remember I was actually in London when that uh, Times story broke. You know that how there were all these big brands appearing on. Uh, uh, website, their ads were appearing on websites for um, terrorist organisations and uh, and criminal organisations and, uh, and and certainly the traditional news have been beating it up like you wouldn't believe yeah. um, and they've called it brand safety but uh, the guys at IDcoms in London uh, had a real, I thought a really powerful uh, shift on that. They said it's not about brand safety, it's about brand care. Because if you care about your brand, you would have considered this. This is this whole issue. While it was beaten, you know, it's become mm -hmm. a big issue in the last few months. I first read about it in DigiDay in two thousand and twelve. So that's five years ago. They were talking about it and raising it as an issue then. And if you tool. That your programmatic tools correctly, you can avoid any of this through um, the platforms themselves. So you mm. just have to work really hard at it. Um, yeah, if you care enough, right. exactly. you'll actually make sure your programmatic uh, algorithm tries to avoid as much as possible yeah. the, um, the wrong environment. Uh, I mean, I, th we've all seen that classic YouTube clip of um, one of the ocean lighters uh, in the Mediterranean on its side, mm. and next to it is um, Pino or one of those yeah, uh, yeah. trying to sell cruisers. Um, and I think it was one of their ships, actually. So, um, but that's, you know, I think that happened in 2012. From that moment onwards, the industry really focused or should have been focusing on brand safety. Uh, and there's some really basic measures that they could have done to avoid that. Um, and I'm surprised that, uh, to be honest, the, some of the big brands have been caught up in on uh, terrorist websites. Okay, so, but isn't the fact that often marketers are sending dual uh, messages about what's most important to them? And let me explain, because yes. I think that... Um, so you're my agency. I want you to deliver as many people as possible at the lowest cost possible. And I want you to make sure it doesn't appear on a um, damaging environment. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
But in actual fact, of the two things, which is more important to me? Lowest cost or safest environment? Because there is a trade-off, isn't there? Yeah. We'd stop that conversation right there and say, what is the outcome that you want? Uh, I just want lots of people to see my ad. uh, And we'd say, no, that's not good enough for us. And let's talk about what sort of conversion that we're expecting from this activity and how we're going to measure that um, rather than views or um, because it is meaningless when it comes to digital. Uh, You know, somebody said recently, you know, you've got more chance being bitten by a shark than clicking on a banner ad. I don't personally believe in that, but um, uh, because if you tool your media correctly and if you have good creative in your, in banner ads, we're we're getting well over the industry average. You know, um, some of the things are point five. No, clicks one, one to two percent levels. That's that um, is impressive considering so, it's like point zero 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 so so if you tool your digitally uh correctly um you have the right target audience and you're you're getting what we normally associate with a direct marketing response from old school of one to two percent and that's what we're seeing in a lot of our digital activity and we're tracking that through to um not just how many people arrive on the next side. And, th- and that's just, uh, sorry, I just want to yeah. be clear, that's just in a, uh, a burst or a, a program of programmatic yep. uh, serving. Retargeting, you'd have a much higher conversion rate, wouldn't you? De- definitely. Oh, click-through rate. Um, yeah. But then we work into conversion rates. Yeah. And so that's why we always start moving on from views or other things into more meaningful things um, about how we're meeting their business objectives. Yeah, leads and conversions. And cost per lead yeah. and cost per conversion. And it's some of it's difficult to do because they're sold through third-party um, mm. uh, sales uh, areas. So we need to work out other surrogate measures uh, along the way. And that's part of our IP of working out if we see those measures being hit, we know that we're well on the way to getting a sale. So I was uh, talking to a, uh, an, a consumer goods client. They sell all their products through retailers um, across Asia. And the question they had was, how much should I be spending on digital media? And I said, well, what do you want to achieve? Oh, I need awareness. And I go, okay, well, would digital be best for you? Oh, well, yeah, we believe so. Well, why do you believe so? Well, television's fragmented and we can't afford to get the reach and frequency. So we've just been topping it up with digital. And I go, mm, that's in, you know, I'm, I'm a bit concerned. So there's this warning bell going off. And I said, uh, what, what are your measures? Oh, just uh, impressions. And I went, <laughs> eh, 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 eh. Uh, wow, um, you know, but this is oh, uh, my uh, colleague, one of my colleagues in the US actually emailed me a brief, and I swear I've read this uh, brief. It said budget was like $200,000. Uh, task, do more digital stuff. That was the brief <laughs> to the agency. We need more digital stuff. Fantastic. I'd love a brief like that. Uh, um, and then we'd take it and work it and um, do something meaningful. But look, in, impressions is just so ridiculous. Um, and you're opening yourself up 
to add fraud. Um, mm. if, you, if you don't have a meaningful way of getting down to an attribution point somewhere in your funnel, your ad fraud and um, viewability are all issues that are going to come into play for you. But if yep. you're looking down the funnel um, and looking at how to set up some ROI uh, benchmarks for your digital activity, you'll be able to weed out a lot of the ad fraud and a lot of the viewability issues because it just won't perform. It can't perform. Um, and therefore, you know, there will always be ad fraud, unfortunately. It's just like there will always be spam. It doesn't matter how much we make it illegal. It's still, uh, everyone gets it every, every day. What we can do is be smarter with how we measure things so you can turn it off when um, things aren't working. Mm. And that's the marketer's responsibility. And, and frankly, it's our responsibility as an agency to show clients the way of this is how we're going to measure it. This is going to be a more meaningful business impact for you. And they'll see it in their sales once we hit these some surrogates or other things or... Um, we have ways to convert um, offline to online as well, mm. and online to offline. So those through, through attribution modeling, modeling. Yeah. Um, yeah, and through digital footprints and, yeah. and other things, uh, depending on the client. So those things are really powerful. And then that all of a sudden starts unlocking a business case within the client organization to say, we need to spend more money on this. I think one of the things that um, people have found in digital is, uh, they haven't resourced it appropriately. Um, that there's a feeling that oh, it's cheap to do. It's not cheap to do well um, necessarily. Um, yeah. And that ongoing um, optimization is required. Um, we don't get those sort of uh, those click through rates straight out of the gate. That's how we've optimized over to get time. It over time. That takes time and effort. And some of our clients value that and they get us to pay for that um they'll pay us for that yeah but they can see the outcome at the end and that's why well, they're paying for the result yeah. not the effort exactly and that's why we're moving more of our clients to a performance-based remuneration because we can see the data yeah <laughs> you're playing my song so, um and frankly we prefer it because we get remunerated more um there's less risk from the client's point of view and, um, you know, we have the upside and, and knowing the data paths, we can see the results. There's nowhere to hide. Um, now, I've got a question for you. Inside the agency, does that performance-based focus improve, like, morale and, 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 you know, does it have an impact on the way people work on clients? It has a huge impact. So the, the ones that... Everyone's so vested in making that campaign a success, or I shouldn't call it a campaign, but making yeah, the activity, the, the, the work. activity. Yeah, uh, we've banned that word enough here. I've gone and yeah, <laughs> launched no. into it. But yeah, everyone here um, is vested in making that work for the client, um, and whether it's copywriters or or um, our business analysts, they really want to bring uh, it to the table for the client. Um, every day um, and they're high-fiving each other when we hit a new high um, and so that's uh, brilliant that is just brilliant you know because when you can get a group of people aligned to an objective it's incredibly powerful it, it is and one of the one of the things that we see in so many relationships is that the 
client, the advertiser and the agency think that they're aligned because the agency will say, oh, your success is our success. But without that real focus, that laser focus on what success looks like, what ends up happening is the client has one objective and the agency has something completely different. Often the default point is to you know, do some award-winning work so that we can all celebrate together. And you know, isn't that exciting that we've won this award, but yeah. no business result happened whatsoever. And that frustrates us a lot. Um, everyone here, whether they're creative or a business analyst or the, me- the media team or our strategy guys, are vested in, in trying to, um, we've bought into a culture which is about continual improvement for our clients. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's no such, one of the reasons why we ban the word campaign is because um, campaign implies a launch and leave mentality. You put it out there and... <laughs> Hope like and hell. hell. <laughs> and then at the end of three months, you do a post-campaign report and go, gee, did that work or not? As opposed to the weekly changes to the campaign, um, changing out copy lines, changing out things. So, so you're actually uh, deploying what is very close to an agile marketing process aren't you that's uh well yes yeah that's what we're doing because a lot of marketers talk about agile marketing um but then when we talk to them about what that actually means you know this idea of testing and learning Mm. constantly optimizing not working on campaigns but always on to think about it as building long-term uh interactive relationships with customers through these activities they go, oh, oh, that's not what I thought Agile meant. I just thought it meant doing what we've always done faster. But you are actually uh, deploying an Agile philosophy and process. We, we are. And that's, it's, a, um, it's a different way of working. Um, and I think actually the, one of the things that we had to do to um, start working this way is disband the typical copywriter art director pairing and sometimes on some jobs we'll have a business analyst and a copywriter working together Mm. um, to get the outcome that we're required or um, certainly in the top-ups that are required on campaigns. Um, For us it's we're in an exciting new world Um, but um, we still see around us that there's too many people just waiting to the end. One of our clients we don't do their media for them, a big media agency does. Mm. And we're always surprised that there's literally no optimization throughout the entire campaign. Mm. Um, they haven't run little experiments throughout to see what works and what doesn't and where they should be placing the money. Um, and A bit of A-B testing, some uh, multivariance and uh, nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Um, and the same campaign output they got in their first week is what they've achieved at the end of the campaign and that to me is you know I don't want to quote Trump and say sad but um, <laughs> um, you know that that really is so, and and well it's incredibly you know, disappointing yeah. because it means that only half of the process is actually being optimized exactly so half the money has been left on the table 
and you know that's inexcusable in today and i think if we get better at attribution um and clients understand what that means as and that's the point of the article i wrote was it's not you know the magic people are looking for a magic bullet the better we get at uh, attributing roi to mm. business goal the better we'll, um, in terms of activity, the better we'll get at managing it. It's there's this obsession with cost. You know, we've had. You know, I've been doing this for seventeen years, and it's like the last ten or fifteen years, everything's about the cost of marketing. How can we reduce the cost of marketing? Yeah. And. The downside of that is, first of all, it assumes that marketing is a cost, not an investment. Yeah, because if you don't measure the return on an investment, it becomes a cost. The second is that marketing is a commodity because you only buy things on cost if it's a commodity. Imagine buying books by the kilo, <laughs> irrelevant as to what's in it. And even when you start buying media on cost alone, and I, I use this metaphor a lot, I say, you want to have a birthday party. There's 100 people you would love to have there. Two agencies come. One says to you, we will get the 100 people that you want, but it will cost you $10 a person to get them to your party. And the other one says, it will only cost you 10 cents but we'll send out over a million invites. Now, there's no guarantee that anyone will turn up for your party, but I only spent 10 cents an invite, so I'm going to go with that. Is the huge decision people, marketers make when they go on cost, isn't it? It totally is. Um, and if you're not putting aside money in your mind to optimise anything in digital, whether it's internally or externally with agency partners, you're doomed to fail. Um, there is so much that you can learn um, if you have the right measurement in place. And I'm not advocating, uh, it's funny because um, the MarTech vendors out there at the moment are you know, making money hand over fist and there's a new one every day. Um, and half the time that we walk into a new client, we're actually ripping out the MarTech. MarTech have, uh, some of the platforms have amazing uses or, or really good use cases, mm -hmm. but often when we go into a client, it's not in their vertical. Yeah. It doesn't suit their needs. They've been sold a pipe dream for a product that will never, ever meet their needs. And one was paying a million dollars a year for the privilege of having a piece of software or SaaS product that they could never really make full use of. Oh, no. And we ripped it out straight away, and they are now in a free version of something. I don't want to give yeah, them a yeah. plug. No, no. But and, and it's fit for purpose. Oh, no. these, uh, these MarTech, AdTech salespeople are the best salespeople in the world. The number of times we've been uh, uh, contacted because we, you know, we're totally independent, mm. and uh, they'll phone up and go, I think I'm about to buy X, should I, is the question. And we go, what do you want to achieve? How is it going to be implemented? What would success look like? You know, we've got the yeah. 20 questions to ask that actually gets to the end. I mean, um, uh, Salesforce is a B2B uh, platform. And yet, I've heard of so many companies that have implemented it as a B2C management tool. 
because it's been sold to them as a customer relationship management system. But the customer is always going to be usually in a B2B environment. And that's my problem with the industry. There's, there's, I sound like I'm a broken record today, but no, no, not if you all. come back to your goals um, and constantly looking at what are the business goals, then therefore what are our digital goals, then you know what is our ad tech goals. Um, yeah, look, and, and you're not a broken record because you are absolutely going back to first principles of the way marketing is should ideally operate. So here's the thing, marketing tenure is getting shorter and shorter. You know, it's down to around 22 months. And the number one reason I read earlier this year that they were being uh, flicked faster and faster was that they weren't delivering on growth expectations. So we've got shorter and shorter CMO tenure. Mm. We've got an increased expectation of performance. And yet marketers are actually not there because most of what we're talking about, what you've been saying, actually takes time. Exactly. It does take time. But you start, you know, it's back to first principles. Mm -hmm. And if you understand that, you can take the business on a journey with that. And most businesses that we work with are really receptive to that. And when you start delivering on on saying the, the goals and milestones that you're going to hit and you overachieve them, that gives you trust to do other things. Um, and, you know, that's why we, we won five EFIs last year. We're um, flying out next week to um, hopefully uh, at Asia Pac EFIs. We've got three finalists there and we're the only one in programmatic. Uh, and I think that says a lot about our industry at the moment, that there was one in the entire Asia Pac region, um, which was a, an independent from Australia that wow, is yeah. a finalist. That's a um, terrific, uh, well, just being final, uh, a finalist is terrific. Yeah. Look, uh, look, we've run out of time, but uh, good luck with the, uh, the awards in uh, the effectiveness awards in Asia. And it's absolutely uh, heartening to uh, hear that someone is actually putting their money where their mouth is on performance. Congratulations. Thanks, Darren.